live from the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia, and brought to you by Pillsbury. Nothing says lovin' like something from the oven. I'm Delmon. And I'm Alicious. And this is EQ2 Talk. Come on now and meet everybody and hear us sing. This is episode number 33, and we are recording on October 1st, 2011. And Allie, why don't we still have theme music? Today, I don't feel like doing anything. Well, we are recording a podcast, so I hope your lackadaisical excuse will not continue through all of this episode. So tell us, what have you been up to recently? Well, you know, the last time we talked, um, I was sad because I was, my rating life was over. Mm, remember that? I do remember you being so sad. So I decided to take the plunge and I decided to join a guild, a new guild. So I joined the, the guys that I was rating with before because I really liked what they were doing and it, it was a really good atmosphere. Uh, it was pretty casual, but you know, there's getting things done. And, you know, I like the raid leadership, so I decided I just can't be alone anymore. It's pretty sad. So are you getting your raid groove back on? I am. I got really into it. I actually talked to Spiders a little bit. Um, He gave me some tips on gear and AAs and adornments and stuff. So I feel like I'm well prepared. But there's so much work that goes into it. You know, it's like it's been so long since... I've raided, so, you know, now my all my off time is spent, I do trade skill instances to try to get the battle warped wood, because I need to make arrows, you know, the better arrows, and, um, you know, I basically, every time I get a piece, I have to, you know, do my adornments and everything, and it's like, you know, all my off time is spent working on being ready for the next raid, but it's kind of fun, it gives me something to work work towards that never-ending quest for wood exactly let me ask you though is it like riding a bike are you able to jump back on you may wiggle and wobble for a few pedals but are you straightening up yes absolutely it is exactly like riding a bike but um i really like this situation i'm in now i feel like this is probably rating wise this is probably the best situation I've been in for several years um, because the raid leader is really laid back, but he's on his game and it's, it's like the perfect situation. You know, he, he doesn't yell at anybody. He's very calm. I mean, he's kind of the ideal raid leader in a lot of ways. It's just, it's a really good situation and everybody's nice and everybody's kind of, you know, has a little bit of, 
joking around and stuff. Um, but when it's time to go, people work. It's cool. I like it. Excellent. So what have I been up to? Uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record from the last time we talked about this sort of stuff a little bit, but I seem to have refallen back into the same old, same old rut again. We have pretty much in our guild cleared most of the easy mode raid content, actually all of it, I guess not most of it, but all of it. And we are in the process of gearing up alts because we have seemed to be stuck in the mud a little bit. We can't get enough of the classes or enough numbers. Every night there seems to be another little bit of a snafu where we just can't get ourselves going again. We've got a couple of the hard modes down, uh, but we just can't seem to take that next step forward. So we seem to be in the repetitive treadmill cycle of raiding easy mode content, selling gear to alts, which has a very nice side effect. I'm not going to complain about those people in my guild who have far more plat than they do have time because I got my plat split the other night, and it was quite healthy, and I enjoyed that. But would like to be taking the next step forward. Uh, we, we seem to be getting our feet back under us, but I'm not sure yet. We've taken a stride. I'm hoping to take a full step next. Well, when you, you say you've done some hard mode, what's the holdup like? Why can't you just, like, on those nights that you don't have maybe the 100% perfect everything, just go for it? Just go for it anyway. Do you think, like, going for it maybe would encourage people to log in? I don't know. That's a great question. I think you run the risk, though, when you say only have three groups and not enough healers to begin with or not enough tanks to truly dual tank something. Are you going to upset those other people by wiping them over and over again and getting them frustrated? So then instead of having three groups, you're down to two groups and five people the next night because you've burned one person out on constantly dying for an encounter that was was going to be a stretch to win to begin with. Mm-hmm. Because some of the hard mode encounters, some of them are, are a little easier than others, but the further you go in, the more difficult things become, much like a lot of things in game. So we're able to do those threshold mobs, those very first ones in, but we're not too far past the gloves and the cloak guy. Done the turtle one a little bit, but not too much work on it. Because, again, that's a dual tank scenario. you got to kind of split your raid force up a bit. And we're not evenly balanced enough to, to evenly split ourselves to handle both sides of it. Not that I have seen any hard mode content, but is it kind of the same as the is, are the encounters the same, just more more hit points, or, or is there another layer of difficulty? Some of them are just more hit points and harder hitting. Other ones start adding additional mechanics, more oh, ads, okay. more curses, curses that come faster. Mm. So it's so there's less room to make a mistake. Got it. Got it. They're not just the same encounters with the dials turned up. Their dials turned up and an additional thing in most cases. Well, that's disappointing. I hope you uh, get out of that soon. I know it's been kind of frustrating. So It has been. Hopefully something will happen. We'll get a catalyst and we'll be able to break out of the rut we are in and, and get ourselves going again. I'd like yeah. to see some progress going. I think a lot, I think a lot of folks would too. Well, we had some um, good listener feedback since uh, the last couple shows. Did you want to start us off? Yes, I did. I have the first one right here. And the first email is from Dr. Quest. And he entitles his email, DCUO, free to play. Oh, no, they didn't. 
Dell, with the announcement of DCUO going free-to-play, will this make you want to try it? What other games, other than EQ2, do you and Allie play when you're not watching Glee, of course? I was not mocking you for using Twitter. I just remember a Dell that did not see the use in such social media. Not only is football back, but so is fall TV. What are you looking forward to? And here's a are you smarter question. Can Tom Brady keep these numbers up? Talk to you later. Signed, Dr. Quest. Sent from my Commodore Amiga. <laughs> so, Ali, uh, Dr. Quest asked us a couple of questions. Do you want to take a few shots at them? Uh, DCUO going free to play. Mm, I'm probably not going to try it. Because, I don't know. I guess I'm not into... I'm not into the whole comic book thing. For me, if it was Marvel Universe, I'd be all over it like a fly on stink. But because it's DCO, and it, this may sound a little silly, but I already got enough going on in EverQuest 2 to keep me more than busy with all our OCD problems like trying to finish every quest, trying to get every arena pet, and all the things we like to do to feel complete. I have enough to do in EQ2, and... I don't think I would jump over to DCUO. Maybe, but I don't think so. Um, what other games besides EQ2 do we play? I haven't really been playing anything else. I played a little Free Realms with my son, but that's kind of it. I haven't really played any other games lately. Only when EQ2 is down do I try other games. Does Angry Birds count as playing another game? Because... I think that's about all I am playing other than EQ2. And again, because there's so much to do in EverQuest 2, it sounds a little silly. I, I guess I just, that's about all that distracts me at times. Yeah, I was playing Facebook games early on, but I cut myself off from that little addiction. That's not good. Yeah, I grew tired of the Farmville scenario type games. And especially when Covert Ops went away, that was pretty much about the last one that I was playing like that. Uh, what TV shows are you looking forward to this fall? Mm, nothing. I've been watching Project Runway. <laughs> All right. I got to say not into that show myself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, nothing really. Sorry. Falling Skies. That was fun. That's not this fall, though. I got to wait till next summer for that. I was looking forward to Terra Nova because it had dinosaurs in it. But I missed the pilot. And then I'm like, eh, I guess maybe that was an omen not to get into another show. For for returning shows, I love 30 Rock, although it hasn't come back yet. Love Parks and Recreation and Community and Mythbusters. Those are the shows I really enjoy the most with a little bit of Storage Wars thrown in there. I love Storage Wars. Yep. Yep. And finally, Dr. Quest asked, Ellie, can Tom Brady keep these numbers up? What numbers would those be? I'm hoping that's not the four interceptions he threw last Sunday, <laughs> which came after... Uh, he, Dr. Quest had written this email, so I think the simple answer is no, Tom Brady cannot keep up his performance from weeks one and two into week three. Yeah, I lost my first fantasy football game. Very sad. Yes, fantasy football is not starting out well for Scent of a Skunk this season. But you know what? As I was explaining to my son, mm. even if you <laughs> you just have to get into the playoffs, you could be you know, you could be have, have a really terrible record, and then you could still win the whole thing. Absolutely. As long as you don't go 7-20 and 20 over your last month's worth of games, you can still make the playoffs. 
Our next email comes from Care on the Unrest server. Hey, folks, I'm listening to number 30, and the podcast remains strong. I listened to it while away from game, and it kept making me want to return. I have to say I often disagree with both of you, but even when I don't agree, you give good food for thought, and it helps me consider what I think about the game. One of these places is your response to Indebuff's email about community. I don't so much disagree with you as I think you largely missed her point. Yes, content is king, and Sony, not community, makes or breaks the game. But community is still key to retention, especially for newcomers. Community isn't going to attract anyone, but lack of it or a hostile community might well drive them away. You both live in a bit of a bubble in a few ways, but in this case, the bubble is named unrest. I don't know if unrest is the rule or the exception, but the community on unrest is excellent. One through nine is largely helpful, and 80 through 89 is the no-holds-barred channel. By the time we've made it into 80 to 89, we're not going to be driven away by a few trolls. I've spent the last few weeks leveling up a few noob characters on Antonia Bale. AB's one through nine channel is the wow chat of EQ2. It's pretty hostile. Allie's right. It isn't her job to help train a newcomer, but I sincerely doubt Allie would treat a newbie like an idiot. I know for a fact she wouldn't. If someone asks a question in 1 through 9, I may answer it, or I may not, but I'm not going to answer with Google it or read the blanking wiki. What should I do as a level 50 paladin? Betray. Stop asking stupid questions and let us get back to bashing SOE, which is our main source of entertainment. In the previous episode, Allie made a comment about white noise in the EQ2 forums. I think it's what's technically called pink noise, which is white noise tinted by blood splatter. AB's level 1 through 9 chat equals EQ2 forums. Unrest 1 through 9 is closer to EQ2 wire, so it doesn't surprise me that you don't see a problem. It would be nice if there could be a technical solution to this. I think a new player gets a newbie channel by default, but no one uses it. And we can't turn off the garbage in 1 through 9. About all we can do is attempt to answer questions so newcomers feel more welcome, and maybe some of those mocking noobs won't feel the need to. For me, I think I'm going to return to the relative sanity of unrest. So, Del, did you have any thoughts about Care's email? Yeah, I actually liked what Care had to say quite a bit, and I think he he may have called us out correctly in that we misunderstood Indebuff's point. I like what he has to say about retention being key, and I, and I do agree with that. I think retention is very important, and community drives that retention value, that the features on the box that I talked about are what sells it, but community is what keeps people coming back. And maybe I did miss that a little bit in the beginning, and I believe it's right. Community drives retention, and that is important. Yeah, um, it's funny. I just read an article on Zam about community, and the writer was talking about uh, how community is so important to MMOs. And one of the points that he makes is, would you buy a game, would you buy an EQ2 that was um, offline or a WoW or whatever? Would it be the same game? And he he makes an interesting point about the game, the community kind of changing or the games changing and community changing as a result because of the way games are being sort of driven towards more towards the casual gamer 
and he talks a little bit about that. But I thought it was an interesting read about community and how important it is to MMOs. But one of the other th- interesting things is this bubble that Care talks about. And I guess I do live in a bubble. I mean, that's why they call me bubblicious. Wasn't that gum from the 80s? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I've only lived on unrest. I don't know any other server. And I guess I just assumed all of the channels were similar on all the servers. So that's a really good point. I mean, I I guess I didn't realize that other servers might be different. I have to agree with that, Elia. I, I'm not really sure I would have ever thought of unrest as a bubble or some protective covering around me. And I would have assumed as well that all servers at a macro level, are the same. Every server is going to have some people who talk to hear themselves talk and level chat, and some people who are the blowhards or the putter-downers of other people. Every server is going to have that sort of stuff. I'm surprised to hear that some servers are more in that than unrest. I wonder if, if it being on AB is a relationship of the amount of people that play over there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. More people bring out more blowhards. Mm -hmm. And maybe Unrest being a smaller server, and I'm just making that assumption and guess, that there are less blowhards. So maybe we do lead a little bit of a sheltered life being at the alphabetical end of the list of servers. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Well... So we're on the most civilized server? Is that is that what we are? Pardon me, do you have any gray poupon to loot? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a good question. I don't know. And I'm really not sure how you would measure that accurately. I don't know if you could put a numerical value on civility on servers. It would be interesting if you could. Don't know how. Interesting. Okay, I think I have our next email here. And this is from Pengfinches. 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 I'm going to get it right one of these times. Pengfinches. Close enough. And he entitles his email Cha 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 Changes. And he spells it out just like that. Back again from Lotro to my first home server Splitpaw after about a year out. Lots of changes I've noticed. No trade skill XP for new item creation. When did that happen? We can transfer now from Nagi, PvP, Woot, bringing my jeweler over to Splitpaw. It's still runny-eye to me. A few new spires around. Dragon spires. Bah! Missed that event. Went up to Tenebris Tangle to finish my Bixie L&L. When did they become non-heroic? It's like thundering steps all over again. Remember when the centaurs were triple up? Anyway, great podcast. Keep up the great work. Love the alley angle in Are You Smarter? Signed, Penga Finches, sent from my iPhone. So, Ellie, what do you think about Penge says? Well, he's right. It is like thundering steps all over again. It's one of the things that I, I guess I harp on every now and then, and that's the uh, easy moding of the overland zones. I mean, you can't really go anywhere and feel that sense of danger anymore you know every now and then i like to go out on my alt just to you know just to experience a little bit of that so i mean we've we've talked about this before there's a balance between things being too heroic 
and things being too easy, you have to have some kind of a balance. And what's difficult for one person, you know, for me with my main at level 90 with my few raid gear pieces, uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be easy. So I'm not necessarily going to feel that sense of danger on Allie. But, um, but you know, there aren't really, you have to go way out of your way to find triple up mobs anymore. You, you kind of have to go into a dungeon. So he's got a point. He does, but although I, I, I'm fearful to say this because I think this is more me softening, but I started taking out the gnome wizard to get him leveled up a little bit. And I have to say, I kind of am enjoying this, the kinder, softer, gentler overland zones. Because during double XP weekends, as I'm leveling, and ooh, I need a new adept. Let me go over to the broker and buy it. This guy's got like five silver he's made, and the cheapest like level 10 adept one is 25 gold. I'm like, well, I can't buy any of this stuff. I'm not even close to it. So I'm having to live on whatever the research assistant can make for me fast enough while still adventuring. So I've been doing the golden path with the wizard, and, you know, I've been kind of enjoying it. Uh, not having to worry about what's going to be around that next corner is, and am I going to run face first into that wall? So, uh, I don't know. I kind of do enjoy it, I think, a little bit. Well, uh, you're soloing. I mean, you think about, um, I, I don't know. I sort of feel like it's become this, it's a bunch of people soloing with a chat room. Kind of. Mm, I hate to say that, but that's what it feels like. And, and I agree with that because I think we talked about this in a previous episode where it's 1 through 89. Yeah. That's how you play, and then 90 shifts. Right. So I agree. That's how the wizard is going to live. He's going to go 1 through 89 solo doing the Golden Path quests, following the storyline through the Storylines tab, and he's going to get there to the end like that. And then all of a sudden he's going to have to shift play style. So getting there, I think that's the best way to do it. I really do. If if I wanted to, as an experienced player, if I wanted to go out of my way and look for triple ups in a dungeon, certainly I can do that. But leave the storyline solo because I think that's the vast majority of the way players are going to get to the end. Ugh. I don't like it. I kind of do. Okay. Sorry. Well, you just never group. I mean, there's no point. So you just never group until 90. Eh. I never say never. Time. But it's a long time. If you're really playing this game, like you just start a character. It, I don't know. It just, it's solo. It's solo for, I don't know, however long it takes you to get to 90 as a brand new person. What's the point? To get to 90. Is that the point? I guess. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but... That's what it is. I mean, when I'm in the level 30 range with him and I'm out in Butcher Block Mountains helping the dwarves, there's not a lot of other people around. So, But that's because there don't have to be other people around because there's anything challenging anymore. But even if it was, even if they flipped Butcher Block to be full of triple ups, would there still be a lot of 30s running around out there? Would I find a group, a tank, a DPSer? A, a mana generator, another DPSer, a healer. Am I going to have all that to build the perfect group so I can take on triple up mobs? 
Am I going to find six other people in the 30s range on a Saturday afternoon to do that with? Yeah, you have a point. I still don't like it. I, I just wish it could be a little more balanced. You know, like by the road, there's single-up mobs. And then a little further away from the road, it's a little more dangerous. And I don't see anything wrong with leaving a couple of groups, like you say, that are further off the beaten path for that sort of thing. I think the 90%, 95% of the people are going to drive right by those mobs. Because, again, to take them on, you're going to need those six people, that perfect group. And are you really going to find that perfect group? Nothing wrong with leaving them there in the corner tucked out of the way if people want to go over there. But I don't think they will. I guess will. I'm just bemoaning the changing of the game. Sorry. Wishing it was the old days. I won't cry too much because we have to get to our next email. This one is from Radtown on the Crushbone server. First off, I would like to say I greatly enjoy listening to your podcast. First thing is, the launcher is the most confusing thing that has ever been invented. Why are there so many? Why are they different? Why do they install different in different directories? This is a problem that I've wondered about forever, and they need to pick one, go with it, and cut the others. The problem is just going to grow the longer the issue is swept under the rug. I would like to talk about the two different games that reside inside EverQuest 2 the Below 90 game, and the 90 EverQuest 2. I played EQ2 at launch, left right before the first expansion, and have recently returned about a month or so ago. I've popped back in every couple of years, but never really stayed until recently. I mainly play with my cousin, and we have a little guild of several people who play every now and again, and we have fun. So basically, EverQuest 2 has two totally different games in inside of it. The solo game from 1 to 90, and the game at 90. I've rated and enjoy rating in EQ1 and WoW. However, the barrier to entry on rating for EQ2 is far too high. I mean, to try and apply for a rating guild, you have to have your myth buff, which requires to kill old raid bosses. So right there, it hits me as a catch-22 that I need a raid group to apply for a rating guild. I enjoy killing mobs that take teamwork and skill and do not mind learning content and wipe nights but I do not see how I can even get to the point to start applying for rating guilds because I cannot attain the basic requirements. So I was wondering if you had any advice for a returning player to try to get into the rating scene of EQ2. Thanks for reading my email. Your podcast is awesome. Keep up the good work. Signed, Radtown. So, Dell, do you have any advice for the returning player to try to get into the rating scene of EQ2? Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't want to speak to a cliche, but it is just like searching for a job that wants experience. Well, how do I get experience? Well, you get a job. Well, how do I get a job that needs experience? I, you, need to, you know, it's this, it's this constantly rotating problem that you have. But I think all you have to do is catch a lucky break. At somewhere, someone will take a shot on you, and that's what you're kind of hoping for. If you are looking for the toppest, highest-end rating guild, yes, they are going to have ridiculous requirements that you have to be already pre-geared up to join them. But I think for most of the rating spectrum, you can get away with the 270 AAs, your mythical conversion, which shouldn't be too, too hard. It's groupable now. And, and some familiarity with, with the game. Uh, I think that's what a lot of the guilds need. Now, your, your, your first in world type guilds, yeah, you're probably not going to make the cut there, unfortunately. But I don't. Sounds like that's not what you're looking for. I, I think Red Redtown just needs to get some experience underneath them, 
Try to find a guild that matches his experience. Take a look at EQ2 Progress. Take a look at EQ2 Flames. Keep an eye to the, the SOE forums as well. See who's recruiting. Watch your level channels. And you'll see guilds that are not necessarily the top tier because those slots, when they open, are taken pretty quickly. They already have their eye on somebody. But the rest of the guilds, I think it's pretty easy to get into. Would you think that's your experience as well, Allie, or do you disagree? I see where he's coming from, how it's hard to get your foot in the door. Uh, I think it's easier to get your foot in the door if you start at the bottom. And it sounds like you'd probably fit better in more of a casual environment for starters anyway. And when I say casual, I mean, you know, sort of working a couple of times a week, working on um, the easy mode, you know, entry level rating in DOV, you do not need your, you do not need to kill um, raid mobs to get your myth buff. Uh, You need to only get your fabled epic weapon and do the epic repercussions quest line from, is that TSO? Sentinel's Fate. I'm sorry, Sentinel's Fate. It's much easier. It's groupable, as Del said you just have to work on your stuff and you just have to find the right environment. And it's, um, I think it's easier to find the, one of those entry level raid guilds than it is to try and jump into, you know, the highest end. You do have to work your way up. Um, but the hard thing is going to be finding one of those entry level raid guilds that is going to fit with your personality and your play style. And if you have a bunch of other people that you want to play with, theirs as well. You know, you can just talk to people. Look for something on your server. And I think it's raidprogress.com that you mentioned, where you can you can sort by server. You can look at your server and see sort of the progression that everybody's doing. And, you know, look for look for somebody that's still working on the entry-level stuff where you can get in and be part of the team you know, and help out uh, as opposed to sort of trying to jump in midstream when they're halfway through the content. So it, it is a tough situation though. You'd sort of have to do some of the group stuff to sort of build your gear up. And it, it is hard. You have to almost have to go through a different play style to get to the next play style, which doesn't make much sense, but that's kind of how it is. I think gear is important, but gear covers up oopses. The more important thing is, is to steal Ali's phrase, is to know your class. So the more you know about your buffs and how they interact with other classes and what classes interact best with you, if you're a good player, gear makes you a better player. But gear just doesn't make you a better player automatically. It smooths out the rough edges. It does. It certainly does. It covers up those, oops, I should have jousted a few more feet. Yeah, so you you don't die. You actually you just go down really far, and then you can you can be healed through that. Right. So it covers up those little mistakes that you make, but it's not going to cover up all of them. It helps smooth out the edges and and covers up the upses. I think so. Knowing your class is the number one key, and I think knowing your class because you will get the gear when you start raiding. I think most cla- most guilds know that newbies new players are going to get one-shotted by AEs because they don't have the gear to cover that up. But if you show that you are jousting properly and buffing the right people and running in and doing the right DPS and that sort of things, it will come with time. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, that's a good point. Uh, and thanks for your email, and thanks to all of our listeners for writing in. Next thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, Allie, was a question I've been wondering about for a while. I'm not sure exactly how to phrase it, so I'll just throw it out there, and we can go from there with it. And I have been wondering over time, as the game has evolved, is heroic content becoming a little too heroic, a little too difficult, a little too involved? And I think that has become most evident recently in DOV, where there is a lot going on in heroic dungeons instances that we didn't necessarily see back in the day. So what I did was I did a little bit of homework and I researched the expansions up until DOV and highlighted some of the instances, the heroic instances that are in each expansion. So if you just indulge me for a moment, let me just run over the history. Alrighty. And I think that will give you a picture of where I'm coming from and where we can take this conversation a little bit. All right, that sounds good. So the first expansion was Desert of Flames, and some of the heroic instances from that, if you remember, were Hidden Cache, Sanctatorium, Scorn Feathers Roof, Roost, Ancient's Table, and probably the most difficult one from that expansion might be Poet's Palace. After that came Game Update 20, which brought us Kingdom of Sky, and a few of them from that expansion were Nest of the Great Egg, Vault of El Red, Den of the Devourer, and Halls of Fate. A little after that, we had Echoes of Fadeware with Game Update 29. And we had a Catechism, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Obelisk of Blight, Crypt of Valdun. Then there was one that came a few Game Updates later, The Estate of Unrest. And I'm going to call The Estate of Unrest Patient Zero, for my example. <laughs> okay. After that, we had Rise of Kunark with Maiden's Chamber, Vault of Eternal Sleep, Chelthus, Crypt of Agony, and the Court of Korakrust. Shortly after that, we have what I call the granddaddy of this whole scenario, Runny I 2. And as I've been reading those off, have you been remembering some of those zones, playing through some of those zones? Um, yes. Some of the older ones... Not during that time frame because I was really behind everybody, but I've gone back and done them. But at the time, at level, I think I started doing instances with EOF at level. Okay. At the Rise of Kunark came the Shadow Odyssey, and that just is like this explosion of instant zones. We had the Lava Storm ones, the Befallen, Everfrost, the Gux, if you remember those as well, and the Void ones. Mm-hmm. And they seem to all fall into this this theme of dungeons where we'd have three of them, like the vampire ones out in Loping Plains. They were all vampire-related. They were all Mismore Castle-looking, that sort of stuff. Then comes Sentinel's Fate, where we have the hole. We had Vasty Deep Sets, the Vigilance, and the Library Suites that, that culminated with the Palace of Arudin. And then now, finally, here in DOF, we have Tower of Frozen Shadow, the Rhymes with Pools, Spire, and Ascent, and KD with uh, Temple of Raylos, Zek, Throne of Storms, Crystal Caverns. We have all these zones. So what I've seen, though, looking over this chart, and granted we don't need to dive into each one, but I go back to Patient Zero where we had the State of Unrest. 
prior to him, a lot of these heroic zones were very tank and spank oriented. Maybe they had some ads. Maybe they had something you had to cure. Maybe there was something to joust a little bit away from. But all of a sudden, when we reach unrest, every named mob has a script. And not only that, we have to interact with the zone. We have to click levers. We have to do things in certain orders. There were puzzles to, to figure out as we were doing the zone. And I think a lot of people really enjoyed unrest as a zone. There was a lot to it. It was difficult in the beginning. Certainly it was a two-nighter type zone in the beginning. But I think people enjoyed it because it was something we hadn't seen yet. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think I agree with that. There were puzzles that made it fun, I think, in the beginning. And it was a challenge. And you had to have, you had to be on your game, kind of, yes. in the beginning. It certainly wasn't a zone that you could do with your eyes closed. Right. Then after that, we start getting into, into Kunark, where we start seeing in Maiden's Chamber, we got to start moving things around. Uh, we're falling through the floor in, in Vault of Eternal Sleep, if you remember that. Yeah. And Chelthus, we had all these different names. We had to fish to feed the giant squiggly things that shot out of the ground. All of a sudden, there was more to do than just killing mobs. Then Runny Eye comes along, and every named encounter is a complete script. Everything had, We had to be close to mobs. We had to joust things. We had to deal with ads. It was, it was really fun because it was different. It was a little bit of a, I always described Runny Eye 2 as a little bit of a mini raid because all the encounters were scripted and they were fun. They just weren't tank and spank. But then after that, there's just this explosion when you get into TSO where everything is like this now. In every zone is this complicated storyline that we have to understand. We have to deal with every named mob and we have to click on things and Think to the Befallen one where we had to move statues around and then hail people and then deal with encounters. Mm -hmm. The game has just become so complex. Where in the beginning where we had these kind of tank and spank heroic zones to now where heroic zones have evolved into little raids that I have to understand everything. Where in some cases there are things to cure. In other cases it's don't cure. In some cases, it's be close to the mob. Sometimes it's be away from the mob. These were things that we necessarily only really had to deal with in raid encounters in the older game, in the older expansions. Now they have kind of migrated down into the heroic content. And on top of that, most recently in Sentinel's Fade and, and certainly in DOV, we see raid zones that are using the same exact art as the heroic zones. Right. So now I have to remember, okay, in this one, do I cure or not cure? It looks like the same encounter. It's the same mobs and models. I'm having to learn so much more or remember, not necessarily learn, but remember so much more about every encounter and compare it against the raid one and remember what do I do where. So I just wonder, has the heroic game become too complex for us because it's so big? And so complicated now. It is very complex. But I think the complexity keeps people interested. It is an old game. You're not going to have a lot of new people. So if you make it too easy, it's just going to be ignored. Because there's anything. I mean, it, it, it's just going to be a snooze fest, kind of, if you, if you make it too simple. 
Fair enough, but do you think we have swung too far the other way, which is kind of my point? Yeah, I do. I think, you know, in the it used to be, well, first of all, we didn't used to have that many instance zones, but people were clamoring for more. With ROK, after that, people wanted more. They wanted more zones, more instances, and I think that's why we saw an explosion in TSO, because that is what people wanted. And ROK, really, people were running those zones till they were blue in the face, and people were just clamoring, at least at the high-end game. People were clamoring the high-end group sort of tier of gaming. People were really wanting more of those. It used to be there was one, maybe one encounter in, in an instance or one trick or one lever to pull or whatever in a particular instance. I agree, yes. And for the most part, it was just, I mean, you know, tank and spank sounds kind of boring. You, you do still have to be on your game. I mean, some of those older zones are not a walk in the park. I mean, have you tried doing, like, Den of the Devourer at level with an alt? No, I haven't. It's, but not, I did... a wa- it's not a walk in the park. No, I agree, and I certainly did it at level with Delmon. Yeah. And you're right, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Do people like the scripts? I don't know. I think people like figuring things out, but I don't know, honestly. I don't know what people like. Maybe they do this because this is what people like. I don't personally, I forget. I don't remember all these, you know, mechanics. It's, you know, I might remember one one void instance, I don't remember the name of it, where you have to get in a little suit because that's a memorable encounter, you know, because you're playing as somebody, not your, yourself. That I remember. So I remember something about that. Do I remember every single detail of that script? No, I do not. Right, right. And that's why I guess where I'm coming from. This is there too many of these? Did like you say in ROK we had a lot of overland and very little dungeon. Then all of a sudden the pendulum seemed to swing the other way to little overland with a lot of dungeons. Mm-hmm. And when we seem to have those lot of dungeons, we seem to keep that runny eye two mentality that was like the big thing before it of everything needs to be scripted. If you think just as something as simple as Deep Forge Every encounter in Deepforge, you have to handle differently. Yeah. Compound that with Nagina's Howl Tower, and now you're up to, just in those two zones, approximately 10 different encounters that I have to know. Mm-hmm. Multiply that out by a, a couple of more themes, which each had three instances in them, mm. with five to six named encounters. And by the end of that, uh, the end of that, Expansion, I'm out to 30-some-odd unique encounters that I need to understand and remember to be successful. Mm-hmm. God forbid you be Johnny-come-lately. Oh, please. You can't. I, can't. I feel like I can't do instances because I don't know them. In DOV, like, I don't, I don't really know. I, there are some zones I've never even set foot in, in, in Kale, for example. I'm afraid to <laughs> do a pug. I, I am in the same exact boat. I am absolutely embarrassed to say, and maybe I shouldn't say it here, but I will say, I don't think I've been in any KD instance. Now, I've done the raid ones till my eyes bleed, as I was saying earlier, and can tell you exactly every one of those encounters by heart and where they all are. 
but I don't even know if I've been in half of the rhyme ones. I think I've done pools once and ascent once. Hmm. That's it. Mainly because, too, all my gear is better than I would get in any of those zones, so there's no reward in them for me other than shards and some quest updates and shinies. There's no impetus for me to go there because I've outclassed the rewards from them by raiding, which I do agree with. I do think raids should reward you with better gear than heroics. However, in the past, though, there always used to be one really cool item or two really cool items that had a super awesome proc effect that I really wanted that was good in a certain situation, so I'd always run that zone over and over again for right. it. Right. Yeah, don't get me started on those little little special gear things we don't see anymore. Oh, fair enough, and we'll leave that for a topic for another day. But I'm not running heroic instances in DOV because of my gear, and now I'm embarrassed to admit I don't know the encounter, so if I got in a group and said, gee, guys, this is my first time running Spire, I can almost hear their eyes rolling through voice chat. Yeah. Going, oh, great, we got one of those guys. Right, right. <laughs> so I wonder, you know, as the game has evolved, we've made things more complex, lower in the, in the, in the tier structure. Before it was just raids had these really complicated scripts. And then they seem to filter slowly down into the heroic content, where now all the heroic contents are, for lack of better terms, mini raids. And is that good? Well, maybe it's maybe it's good in that I, 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 I don't know what they're trying to do, but maybe what they're trying to do, and it seems like if this is what they're trying to do, they've succeeded in stratifying the game to the point where there is a raid uh, level or strata. Is, is that singular? Sounds good. <laughs> like there's raiding, and that's totally separate from grouping, and that's totally separate from public questing. That's totally separate from soloing and, and regular questing. That's totally separate from trade skilling and house decorating and whatever. It's almost as if we're not supposed to be interacting with each other. Because we're not the same community. That's interesting. So you're saying maybe they've put up barriers because of these game mechanics and loot know. rewards. They've put up little barriers, little fences have gone up in between each each strata. Well, it's almost like, well, in order to give groupers a fair shake, well, we we put all these scripts that we used to reserve to raiders. We put all those in the group content, and if you want to raid, that's fine. You go go raid. You don't need to be bothered with this heroic stuff. But we're going to give the group people, the the instance people, the mechanics, so that they have something to chew on as well, you know. And and I don't know. I don't know if that was the intention, but it really feels very stratified lately mm. to me. Like there's no reason for any of us to interact with each other with the other strata, except for, you know, public quests in the beginning. I mean, have you run a public quest lately? I can admit I did run one the other day because I needed it for a quest update. I had to run Storm Gorge. I was the only person, literally the only person there. And then one guy came along, invited me to a group I declined, and he said, fine, whatever, lame, and then left. <laughs> because I didn't want to group with him because... All I had to do was complete this thing. I didn't have to succeed at it. I just needed to complete it. So I was going to let it let it tear down 
all the way down to whatever the soloish, the right, lowest right. level of it to be, and then I was going to get my win and get out of there. I didn't care about re- right. again. I don't care about any of the rewards here. I don't care about any of the Valiant gems because I've got max faction everywhere. I took the transmuting thing because I'm like, all right, I'll stick that in the bank. I can transmute it and get a powder or a fragment for it, whatever. But doing the public quest was not was not my goal, or getting loot from the public quest was not my goal. Just doing it was without walking away with a huge repair bill. Lame. <laughs> Call me lame, but I got what I needed and I got the bug out of there. That was for uh, one of the um, rings, the Coldane ring. Might have been the I... signature line, I think, perhaps. Because okay. I, I was on that too, and uh, I forgot I was on it. And a friend of mine came back to the game from another game, which we shall not mention. And um, so I, you know, I told him, you know, do your public quest and get get some of the gear. You know, get get your gear up if you if you didn't get all of that before you left, and you can collect your tokens and yada yada. So you know, he was over in um one of the public quests, and he was in Great Divide two, and he was saying he was the only one there. I said, well, you maybe should be in one. Because, you know, there's probably more people there. And so I went over to help him out, and we switched over to one. And there was a whole raid there. We got in, and I was kind of pleasantly surprised. And and there were people there. You know, it's sort of like now, if you don't know how to do the public quest, you're lame. If you don't know how to do those encounters, you're lame. You're the You're the dummy not hailing the supply runner and knowing which one to choose and what to do with it. You're the dummy hitting the epic guy at the wrong time. And you're a dummy if you don't know it. What a noob. Yeah. But there are some people, I mean, this particular scenario, there were nice people there. And they were basically, when I say nice, they weren't jerks, I guess. They weren't jerks. And they weren't yelling at people. They were just saying, here's what to do. And um, But in the beginning of Public Quest, I mean, there were, it was kind of nutty. And then after a little while, people were still learning and sort of strategies changed a little bit. And you see raiders out there. You'd see all kinds of people out there, which I thought was really neat. But it seems like that might be the only place left that we ever see people who are not of our type, you know? Well, I would <laughs> and, and maybe maybe we don't even see them anymore. I don't know. I, I would say you, you might not anymore because that strata you talk about, yeah. Why would a person who's decked out in easy mode raid gear or hard mode or even you know more than that go to a public quest? Yeah. Unless they needed something there, or or in your scenario, you know, helping out a buddy and that's or gearing a, up alts, right? Gear or gearing up alts. There's no reason to go there because there's no reward left for you. No matter how hard you try in a public quest, there is no reward left there, other than a transmutable item or maybe a, a, a gem to help fa- help you faction. But once you get faction well enough, again, that reward becomes valueless to you, worthless. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing to gain from it. And I, and I wonder, too, about this whole, you know, let's call it that you are lame factor for not knowing, right? Yeah, I don't want to be that lame person that, I, that, I don't either. that they're sending tales about. Right. You know what I mean? Behind my back. I don't want to be group, on the so. this player sucks list because I didn't right. know how to run you know, Tower of Frozen Shadow haunts well enough. And I fear a little bit, as much as I am very excited and looking forward to Dungeon Finder, because it will help me get into some of these groups, I'm fearful of what happens when I get plunked into a group who has been running Temple of Rayla Zek 
over and over again, and they know these encounters cold. And here I am, the healer, kind of in a vital role. Yeah, see, I'm I'm at a, an advantage. I'm just anybody. Well, I'm a filler. I'm a filler class. Exactly, and there's probably more than one of you. Yeah. In that DPS role. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be the only green in the group. So therefore, I have a vital role. Much like there's probably only going to be one red. You know, one tank in the in the group. So I'm in kind of that vital role a little bit that I need to fill. And if I don't know, that, by the way, dum dum, that's the curse you don't cure, or that's the one you cure instantly above all anything else because that's the one shotting curse or something like that. Well, it's going to take me a few pulls to figure that out, and I'm going to hear the, oh, this guy sucks. Let's get out of here. Let's Lame. tell let's tell him it's raid time, and then we'll really group with another healer. Hopefully, he won't come back. They don't have to tell you anything. They just kick you if they think you suck. Right. Well, I'm assuming they're going to whisper in voice chat behind my back or something. No, I don't just, know how to. <laughs> they'll just kick you. It'll be the tank that kicks you. Right in the jimmy. I'll yeah. get kicked right in the jimmy, and the next thing you know, I'm standing back in Kino's Harbor wondering what happened. Again, and I'll be honest, a little bit, that's why I'm I'm hesitant about Battlegrounds, too. I don't want to be that suck healer. Oh, don't get me started on Battlegrounds. You know, because in the beginning, Battlegrounds was fun when nobody knew anything. I was in the same boat. Nobody knew anything. I didn't know anything. I went in and had fun a couple of times. Then I waited two weeks, and I came back, and everybody knew everything, and I was lame. So I never went back again because so, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be lame. <laughs> maybe I've entitled this whole segment incorrectly. Maybe it's not about the evolution of heroics and how difficult they've become, but couple that as well with if you're not in there day one learning it with everybody else, your Johnny come lateliness is not good. It's bad. You you don't want to be Johnny come lately as the game is evolving and these things that used to be simpler that you could pick up any time later. You could run a heroic any time after the expansion because you could just figure it out on the fly. Mm-hmm. There's not so much figuring out on the fly anymore because these things have evolved into complex mechanics that you have to understand from A to Z to be successful at. Or you run the risk of being that lame guy. Yeah. Now you're making me very... Well, I don't. please don't cry. Please don't cry, Allie. I don't mean it to be that bad. I'm just, I'm in the same boat. And yeah. I'm looking at it going, I want to get quest updates. I want to fin- finish these signature lines. But I'm terrified of getting into a pools group and saying, by the way, guys, I haven't run pools since two weeks after launch. And I don't know what we were doing then. And I certainly don't know how to do it now. Because I'm going to hear the, oh, this guy sucks under their breath. Oh, there's just no answer. Well, I don't know. Maybe the uh, Dungeon Finder thing, uh, maybe the fact that we're a bubble server will help us because the Dungeon Finder is just your own server, right? Correct. So for now, anyway, maybe everybody in there will be lame, too. <laughs> no? Perhaps. And I, I, you know, I don't know how when you fill out what you're looking for. I'm looking for lame groups. I don't know right, if that's right. an option yet. I would like to choose a lame group. Please. I like to choose a, yeah, a bunch of clueless people who right, are right. Willi- willing to be clueless with me. I would like a full group of people who've never been in the zone before. Well, and we've talked about this in the past, too. You get into these some of these heroic encounters, and some of these groups who are experienced at it are wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and moving on to the next mob. Meanwhile, I'm still looking for my quest update and trying to read the text from the NPC that I got to hail 
after that encounter before I move to the next one or something like that. So the complexity along with the encounter complexity, the complexity of the questing that makes you go through some of these zones is is counterproductive for my play style. I don't do well in it. And that even makes me more timid about getting into groups. Well, I think there are a few answers. One, hope for the best and hope for, you know, lameness in the dungeon fighter. Two, make five friends and basically set yourself up with a static group that goes and does instances when you want to. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I just hope on a regular basis. You have to hope that one of those friends is a fighter. One of the two of those friends are yellows, one green, and two blues, and you're all set. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Or you can make an alt or take one of your alts and put it in a casual guild that groups a lot and does instances. So you can learn on that alt and then you can jump in on Delmon with that knowledge. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm looking at it from it shouldn't be that hard. I shouldn't have to have a preseason of dungeons so that I can run them on my main and not ruin his his rep. If he has one, I don't even know if Delmon has a rep, and if it does, I can't imagine it being a good one to begin with. But I don't know. I'm just I, I wonder has has the lower tiers of the games, those lowest stratas that you referred to, become too complex that makes players fearful of trying to make that next jump into that next strata and kind of a little bit with what Radtown was talking about in his yes. email. How do I make the jump into that next strata? Yeah. Without being labeled as the lame Wait, new guy. Right. right. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess is the answer. You just got to bite the bullet and, and hope for the best. Well, and accept that people are going to think you're lame and really not care. You just have to not care. Well, because they've all been there too, right? You you would hope, but maybe they haven't. Maybe they were one of those day one players who learned it all with all the other people and now have that chip on their shoulder. The thing is, if you're an expert at one thing, you're lame in another area, right? That is true. That so is true. if they're experts at instance grouping, they're probably totally lame and know nothing about trade skilling. You're probably right there. You're probably right there. And maybe I just need to, as my dad told me, pick yourself up off the ground, dust yourself off, and get back on the horse. You're going to run into people who are going to call you lame, deal with it, and move on. There's always going to be somebody in life who's bigger, stronger, faster, smarter than you are. Maybe I need to stop walking on eggshells with myself and just do it. Pull the trigger. I keep using all these euphemisms, and I don't know why, but just do it. Yeah, that saying from your dad, that's, I think, a, a song from a Broadway show. Okay, you've just ruined my image of my dad, but all right. Well, the horse part, not oh. so much, but all the rest of it. I'm pretty sure it's a song from some Broadway show. I'll see if I can find it. All right. But so, but maybe that's the answer. Maybe, yeah. yes, the game has become very stratified, like you've suggested. Get through those stratas. You just kind of got to knock down the door and go for it. I think I think you do. I guess, though, looking at it in review, should the heroics be less raid-like and just more heroics that we used to have from back in the day? And I don't know. I can only look at it from my point of view. Love to hear what other people have to think about it is. Should heroics be just more tank and spank with one one trick or one mob that has a special script and not all of them? Yeah, I'd like to hear what other people think, too. 
Because we live in a bubble, remember? Absolutely. We, we only know from our own experiences, for good, bad, or indifferent. Bubblicious. All right there, Bubbles. Should we move on to our least favorite, most favorite things for this week? Yeah. Do you have a least favorite thing? I do have a least favorite thing, and my least favorite thing is Freethinker's Hideout. That zone is the suck. That should be my least favorite, too. (laughs) We've gone back there a couple of times and not succeeded, and we don't necessarily know why. We have a couple of theories, but in order to test out our theories, we have to wait four days because it is a non-persistent perma-lockout zone because it's uh, pre-Emerald Hall days. I don't know what we're doing wrong. We just can't seem to get that last mob to spawn. We smashed all the walls the other night, I thought properly. But Malconis disappears, uh, and when we pull the painting down and flip the switch, no Malconis. And uh, I'm a little bummed because you're looking for an update there and and an achievement, I think, and I want to see you get that because it sounds real exciting. Uh, But no no joy in Freethinker's hideout for us. I think we need to mentor. That's the next step. But I think that's yeah. Make it very difficult. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's the next thing on our list to try of theories. But again, we got to wait four more days. So, Allie, what is your least favorite thing for this episode? Not enough wood. <laughs> Care to explain? Well, I need more battle warped wood to make my spirit blessed arrows for raiding, and I just don't have enough. Every time I I get one piece of wood, it's gone before the raid is over. Well, I guess to all the rest of us in the unrest bubble, you heard it here first. Allie needs your wood. So, Del, do you have a favorite thing this week? I do have a favorite thing this week. And a couple nights ago, a week or so ago, we were shorthanded for our raid force that night. And somebody said, so what do you want to do? And I threw out the suggestion of a flawless taskmaster from VP. And ironically, we did it. Because you needed it, right? It it was all about me, absolutely. So we managed to shorthandedly and sense of urgently and flawlessly clear all of VP, then move on to Trankanon's lair and took him out, and then moved on and did a flawless and shorthanded Marigold's planar shard as well. So we had this awesome night. It was just achievement after achievement after achievement. I have been hanging on for so long for a track kill so that I could complete the Moppet Shop quest line, if you remember that, for the Chelthus Stone. Okay. Finally got that done. It was it was actually kind of fun to be reading Mayong's quest text at the end of that quest, and he's talking about things that for some reason unfolded during Sentinel's Fate and now in DOV with the Age's End Prophecy coming to, to fruition. So it was a great night overall. I managed to get myself, if you can believe it, up over 21 thousand achievement points and i'm really proud of that love to see a leaderboard for that so we can i can compare my achievement ep with other people <laughs> yeah i uh joined up with you for uh some of the beef was it gynock maltar oh yeah we did that too we did yeah. a yeah you're right i forgot something yeah. it was just this mad mad night of achievement killing i i had a blast and you know what i think for every guild it is good to take a night off from progression and go beat up on some old stuff and, and make yourself feel like a big man again. <laughs> Let out some of those frustrations and mender bills on some mobs from three expansions ago that, that that don't stand a chance. Right. So, Allie, what's your most favorite this week? Uh, well, this one's kind of an interesting one. I uh, found out 
sort of by happenstance that there is somebody on the Oasis server who has a house with unique items from the past, sort of like a museum. And the reason I found out about this is because I had one of those old items from launch that you remember when you could buy furniture from uh, NPCs in town. Sure. Chairs and desks and stuff like that. And I was clearing room in my house for some new item that I had to put down, probably a plushie, and threw something on the broker that I noticed was sitting in my house and it was one of these old items. And I looked in my recipe book and found, well, I can make that. It's called a pristine whatever. So I'll just replace it later. So I pulled that one up, threw it on the broker. And this person sent me a tell and said, I just bought this item from you. Do you have any other old stuff that you want to get rid of that you would be willing to sell? I said, well, sure, send me a list. So he sent me a list or she, I don't know. And I ended up donating it, actually, because this person told me about uh, their sort of project. And it sounds really cool. So I got to check it out. I haven't done it yet, but um, I have to make a tune over on the Oasis server. And it's Shenandoah's house at Four Bale Court in South Kinos on the Oasis server. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very excited. This person has all kinds of stuff from way back. Has... You know, special items from GM events, from like Split Paw Days and um, the Frog Lock event or whatever that was. Frog Lock Meditation Pool. Probably from when we unlocked the Frog Lock class. Yeah, that was way back. Or race, rather. They're not really a class. A race, rather. Excuse me. Uh, that sounds really cool. I got to say, you know, when I first heard this, when you were describing it, it sounded to me a very uh, a request to Pickers-like. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe the History Channel would like to make a series out of it or something. I'm I'm really, really impressed that this person has gone to the trouble of going to other servers and then they can transfer that character over to Oasis to make this collection. That's really, really impressive. Because really it's involves real world currency too, because they're having to buy transfer tokens to bring this stuff back to their home server. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a ooh. But I, I, it sounds—it definitely sounds really cool because I'm sure there's a lot of one-of stuff out there, uh, stuffed in people's in-game attics, and in, out in their barns with a lot of <laughs> dust that uh, this this guy or gal wants to go through and and make deals on. So I feel good. I made my donation, uh, and I can't wait to go check it out. Alrighty, should we take a shot at the alley angle for this episode? Let's do it. All right. I have to be honest, this wasn't necessarily a question that I really came up with. Credit goes to Isulith, the community manager for EverQuest 2, because this was a question I think she had posed either on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. Uh, but it sounded like a really cool question, Allie, and I thought we could get your take on it. Alrighty. So, Allie, if you could have any three things from EverQuest 2 in real life, what would they be? Well, this one was hard because there's so many things, but... I think my number three would have to be the ability to reduce my house rent by putting more stuff in it. I see. So going like out on eBay and buying decorative bird houses <laughs> would reduce your rent by 50 bucks. That and would if you be bought, awesome. If you bought a raid-sized birdhouse, you could get $200 <laughs> off. Exactly. I, I like it. That's a great idea. It doesn't seem to matter how much stuff I put in my real house, the the 
Payment never goes down. If anything, it goes up. <laughs> exactly. So, and my my second item that I wish I could have in real life is an AFK tag. So I can get work done without people bothering me all the time. I could just go AFK. Now, would you envision like putting a hat or a wig on that says AFK above it sure. so that you could see? Okay, yeah. Sure, why not? And you would just stand like in the corner facing a wall or something. Right. Well, maybe some illusion of me where the real me is actually at my desk getting work done and, and my phone doesn't ring and my email doesn't bother me and nobody comes to my office wanting to shoot the breeze about their kid and what's going on in the football team. And asking you if you want to go raid in the playground or something. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had an AFK tag. Okay, and what is uh, what is the number one thing that you wished you had from game in real life? The number one thing is logging chat. I want to be able to log conversations so I can prove that we actually had a conversation when you don't believe me. <laughs> so are you suggesting that people are saying things that you don't remember that you want to be able to search for later? No, things I remember, but they don't because they weren't listening 75% of the time. I see. So, but maybe they had that conversation in another tab or while they were AFK. Maybe they were actually there and having that conversation, but they have no recollection of it because they were just pretending to listen. You know, I don't know. I see a lot of problems because I send a lot of mistells in game. I wonder if we had chatting in, in real life. I'd be sending a lot of mistells to people in real life as well. <laughs> That's what I would be afraid of, of having chat in real life. <laughs> and then somebody being able to come back and say, you said you were going to have this done by such and such a day. And sending you the line of code. Exactly. Referencing that conversation. It's bad enough they pull up emails out of Outlook and send them back to me. So in review, Ellie, uh, what would be the three things in-game from EverQuest 2 that you wish you had in real life? Number three would be? The ability to reduce my house payment by putting more stuff in it. Number two would be? An AFK tag. And finally, the most important thing from in-game that you wish you had in real life would be? Chat logging. I think those are really good ideas. I think uh, for me, run speed. <laughs> I think that's what not, I want. Not a flying mount. A flying mount would be attractive too. I could get over a lot of traffic that way. Yeah, well, I had call to home as a runner-up, but you know, not as useful as some of the other ones. No, certainly not. Or, or food that lasts me five hours. <laughs> food and drink for five hours. That's that's attractive too. You know, you can double that if you click on the bush that gives you the berries okay don't okay. you collect those berries every day you can click on the bush and it gives you one of three types of berries i, I gotta be honest ali no i do not click on the bush daily <laughs> i can't believe you i have been collecting those berries since that bush was available in game you can get an xp bonus you can get a mount speed bonus or you can double the amount of food, your food and drink consumed within the next hour. And I have a stack of about 14 of those in my inventory. And every time I go into raid, I eat one of those berries and then I eat my food and drink and it lasts for 10 plus hours. I, I need to look into that. Yeah, you do. Although Especially I'm... Mr. Cheapy, you buy half the amount of food and drink. Although I am thinking, though, I think the number one thing that I would most want from in-game in real life would be a Menderbot. 
for every time I split my pants, <laughs> I could just walk over and push this thing and my pants would be instantly fixed. I think that's what I would want. Does that happen often? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> so do we have anything else for this, our 33rd episode of EQ2 Talk? I think that pretty much wraps it up. Okay, so first let's say thank you to our corporate sponsor this week, Pillsbury. Nothing says lovin' like something from the oven. And remember to check out Pillsbury.com for the Pillsbury Dwarf Boy favorite recipes. <laughs> if you'd like to reach us, you can do so in a couple of ways. You can email us. I'm Allie at EQ2Talk.com. Or I'm Delmon at EQ2Talk.com. You can join our in-game chat channel at eq2.unrest.eq2talk. Or you can send tells to us directly in-game. So for me, that's eq2.unrest.delmon, D-E-L-L-M-O-N. And I'm eq2.unrest.alicious, A-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S. And don't forget to check us out over on Facebook. So that's facebook.com slash eq2talk, where we would love for you to like us. Or you can also follow us on Twitter. We are EQ2Talk. Hope you all enjoyed this episode, and we hope to see you back here for episode number 34. And say goodnight, Allie. Goodnight, Allie. Nothing's impossible, I have found. When my chin is on the ground, I pick myself up, dust myself off, start all over again. Impressed that we only did that in one take. Oh, all right. I'm impressed too. So basically, does Angry Birds count as a game? Because that's about all, all else I other play. The podcast strong with this one is blanking whiffy with. <laughs>